everyone. Thanks so much for joining us on the Slice of Healthcare podcast. This one's co-hosted by myself, Jared Taylor, and my co-host, Lily Ari. We're joined by a very special guest today, uh, Jessica Carr, a general partner at Coyote Ventures. Hello. Thanks for having me. Thanks for being a guest. Yeah. Let's let's kick things off. Tell us about your background, and then we'll, we have a lot of wow, adorable. I have my dog, Eddie, here, so, you know, I know this is a podcast and you won't be able to see, but maybe we can... No, you will. Okay, okay. There yeah. we go. So he's here. Okay. Um, so you can see Eddie. Great. Um, so my background, I was formerly a biochemist, um, thought that I was going to be a doctor, but ended up working in research instead, so I um, did a master's in biochem and uh, had the opportunity to finish on the PhD, but I actually left um, grad school because I wanted to work on something that um, was a little more tangible that I could see instead of writing papers. And so I was really fortunate. I got a job at Impossible Foods when it was less than a year old. So I was the 12th employee and I worked um, on the R&D for Impossible as well as the product development. So it was part of the initial like formulation when it launched. And um, that was around 2016. And at that point, I had been there for four years. So I left at that point to do an MBA um, and started consulting with very early stage startups and um, did that for two years, worked with about 12 companies, a lot of them like very much idea stage and uh, really enjoyed like building a portfolio, but I also saw that what they really needed was funding and I wanted to work on the investing side. And so I joined uh, Emerging Fund in 2020. That was a kind of generalist impact thesis um, with a celebrity um, as a GP. And uh, it was it was good to like get uh, experience more on like lots of diligence of companies from that perspective. I would say the generalist thesis was a little difficult because I was one day looking at, you know, in one day, even like looking at a municipal bond startup and then looking at a healthcare startup and then looking at food tech. And so I really wanted to like dive deep into one area, which is healthcare. And while I was there, I started to see women's health deal flow. And I think 2020 um, allowed for a surge in women's health companies. And, um, you know, as a lot of women in women's health had also like a personal healthcare experience that helped me realize from a personal standpoint, how overlooked the area has been. And so I was also really passionate about making change in that area. So I launched Coyote in 2021. That's amazing. And, um, that's an incredible background. Um, we'd love to hear a little bit more about the thesis of the fund, if you can jump into that. So we're looking at um, women's health and wellness, and we define it sort of the traditional definition is um, conditions that solely affect women. So that is, you know, menstruation, menopause. I think that a lot of people think of us when they think when they see something that affects all women. But the other parts of the thesis is also things that affect women differently and disproportionately. And so um, we're really leaning into digital health thesis now. Um, about six out of 10 of our companies are digital health. And that's basically all we're looking at at this point in time. And so we're also, um, when we're looking at them, if they basically have a majority women user base, that counts as our thesis. 
And the other part of that is looking at the diversity of the founding and leadership team. And so we have seen some women's health companies that lack diversity of women on the team and we uh, pass on those as well. Um, and so uh, a lot of that is like, is it benefiting women's lives? Is it designed with women in mind? Does it have majority women user base? And so we're looking at sort of these other like core pillars of health where they affect men and women differently, but just designing like with all of that that I just mentioned. So some things like sleep health, mental health, um, lots of areas that still, you know, intersect with other areas of, of women's lives as well. So um, it really becomes a little more encompassing of, as a thesis when you understand all of that. Would would love for, for you to talk about some of the, the portfolio companies that you've invested in. Um, Jessica, I know we've, we, we do actually a, a fair amount of stuff with a lot of your portfolio companies, Hera Biotech, um, it always has like a monthly thought leadership post with us. Um, would love to kind of hear about how, uh, you know, there's, there's lots of funds out there, but it seems like the relationships and the, the extras that the funds do beyond just investing are what really solidify these relationships moving forward. So I would really be interested if you could tell us more about, you know, how are your relationships with your portfolio companies? How do you continue to support them beyond the check? Definitely. Yeah. Here at Biotech is an amazing company. So I'm glad that you're able to work with them some. And there's um, a lot that putting out there on the education of like, what is endometriosis? Like it affects one in 10 women or more. And uh, there's still not a lot of awareness or research dollars for it. So that's a great example. I would say like one value add that we have um, is we have a a group of advisors. And so some of that is like matching them with the portfolio company needs. So some of that is looking at more like either advisor or talent hiring. Um, and I would say like I'm on a text basis with a lot of the founders and they can definitely reach out anytime with any, like even questions on like, how do I, you know, deal with um, this team member, or this problem? I don't want to give any specific examples. But there is some of that as well. And um, I, I like to connect them with each other. So we're not investing in anything that will become competitors. A lot of them is complementary. So like here at Biotech, um, they're, they'll launch their endodiagnostic infertility clinics. And then Sunfish, which I believe Angela might be a guest on this podcast soon, um, they're fertility financing options. Um, so they're partnering with fertility clinics as well. So that's a natural way that they could go in and, and make some of the introductions together. And like, actually, I introduced Tierra Biotech to their first um, fertility clinic client. So a lot of it has to do with, you know, like sales and team support, some of its emotional support, and fundraising support, like building the list of co-investors and sending deals over when there's something that we're that, that, that we're committed to that has room in the round as well as follow-on funding. So making sure that they stay well-capitalized, especially like later rounds. I've heard great things from from your portfolio companies about the relationship. So I, I just wanted to ask though, to hear your, your side of things, which is great. And I hope most of them get to meet your dog because <laughs> just that starts the relationship with a smile on their face. I pretty right? much all have. <laughs> yeah. Jess, I'd love to know a little bit more about the investors and the LPs that are in the fund, if uh, you can share with us. I know BAJ yeah. is one of them. Um, 
We do have Bank of America as an LP, so really excited that we're working with them and they've been really great and helpful. Um, we also have a few family offices. Um, some of them are focused on um, women's health, like the case for her. Um, another one focused more on general impact. Um, so it's called Triple Family Office out of Australia. Um, we have a lot of individuals who are, I would say most of them are usually like health tech executives. So we have um, Susan Selinski, who's working with a mental health startup. Um, we have also some professionals that are um, GPs and other funds, as well as wealth managers. So a pretty diverse group, but they're, um, they're really great and engaged. So very happy to work with them. And is there, there's just one fund right now. Is there a fund two? We're on fund one. Any plans for fund two or we're? Yeah, but fund one is still has a lot of, a lot of things a left to do. <laughs> just want to, just want to ask about the future of Coyote, that's all. <laughs> yeah, there will be future funds, um, hopefully future uh, partners and bigger teams. So we, I have a great team of part-time people. So I have seven venture partners and uh, three on the investment committee. And um, so they're really helpful for how many deals we can really look at at once and also helping with some special projects. Like we're doing the fireside chats that you guys saw. Um, so we can definitely plan one together and, uh, and we're managing like a database. So there's a lot of, you know, in addition to doing the, the deals and the diligence, there's, you know, lots of like side projects always going on too. That's amazing. Um, I know one of the questions that you brought up was sort of what is the successful anatomy of a digital health platform? And I'd love to sort of hear your thoughts on that. Yeah. So this is something I've been thinking about is, you know, with the start of COVID and the enablement of telemedicine, there's definitely a spike in companies doing telemedicine for XYZ. But what I'm seeing now is the need for beyond telemedicine, like that may or may not be a feature. Um, so some of the other features are um, like collecting data and and generating insights that feed back like machine learning into more data and insights. And so I think some of it may or may not include telemedicine, but having that data. So one example, another company we invested in, Malama Health, they have an app that helps women when they're diagnosed with uh, diabetes during pregnancy. Um, and the app is, it works with the healthcare provider. So, so it's not a D2C app um, that anyone can download it, but basically the provider is, is recommending the app when people are diagnosed. And so they have basically like the enablement of, of data where people are uploading their blood glucose data, as well as they need to track their diet and exercise. So it can integrate with any wearables for the exercise part. And with the food part, they have an API where you take a picture of your food and it'll put out, you know, the caloric information. Um, and so this really helps, you know, tracking all these things with a more digitized platform. Um, it all streamlines into Epic portals so that healthcare providers can see. And I think, you know, having this condition can be a little frustrating to troubleshoot if, if you're out of range and not sure what's going on. So that's an example, like they could enable telemedicine at some point, but really what I think of as successful is there's all these touch points between the doctor's visits, which like for all of us usually isn't enough if there is a health concern and kind of the end. Um, so that's the features on the 
monetizing part, a lot of these successful ones are B2B to C. So they're either fee for service, so they can build a uh, payer with a current reimbursement code. Um, ultimate goal being to develop direct contracts as a vendor with the payers. Um, and the other route for that, aside from fee for service, is also potentially being an employee benefit. Um, so, you know, a lot of companies could start D2C with that, but really a lot of them uh, can gain a lot more traction and um, de risk by being B2B2C. And then um, pretty much the ultimate from all of that is, is measuring health outcomes. And so from the get-go, like really showing, so Milana Health was aiming to reduce preterm births, but they have a lot of other like measurements they can make, but that's like sort of an ultimate one. Um, but it's like uh, gestational diabetes is also associated with cardiovascular risk, like risk for long-term diabetes. Um, and then also they'll reduce like seed sections. So they actually, um, when we first invested in a pre-seed, they had this beautiful dashboard of like, here's the health outcomes we we're planning to measure. And then um, now they've, you know, more than nine months later have had their first cohorts of babies being born. And they've shown um, a 50% reduction in preterm births. And so I would say like, even if, the company hasn't fully launched, um, like really no, being clear about what they're measuring and also like why the payers will ultimately cover this, which, you know, as you know, these C-sections and preterm births will essentially be a huge cost savings. Um, but also like with us caring about like maternal health outcomes in the U.S., there's a huge incentive to do what we can um, on a lot of these pregnancy risks. So that's all an example of of showing like the digital health beyond the telemedicine piece of it. Well, uh, yeah, I, I really appreciate you um, coming on the podcast, sharing information about your portfolio companies, sharing information about your uh, investors, and then really what the fund sets out to do. Uh, obviously, we're already fans, so this just helps reassure uh, why we're fans. And hearing more from you on on the future of women's health and why you're investing in these companies is, I think, I speak for Layla and myself that we, we love what you're doing. We're excited to to continue staying in touch with you and hear what you're doing. Um, we'll have to get you on a panel at some point. We'll maybe host one of these fireside chats with you, which would be fun. And uh, now we already have the the relationships to uh, to have that deeper rapport when we we talk more about what you're doing that's awesome thanks so much for featuring me and i'm a big fan of you guys as well and layla and i go way back so <laughs> yeah definitely jess thanks so much for coming on it's been so much fun thank you